0: Again, if you're a veteran, I just thank you so much for your service. Um, I myself served in the military, and um, there's a camaraderie there that takes place, and we value uh, those uh, that voluntarily gave themselves, put themselves in position to defend our nation. Um, And not all of us um, passed away in service, and not all of us actually saw conflict. Uh, But all were prepared uh, should it arise. Some have seen conflict and came through. And some know of loved ones that when we do Memorial Day are reminded of those who did not make it and was there when they didn't. Um, But we need to keep ourselves in remembrance of the fact that we are where we're at today because we do have men and women that answer a call. Amen? Amen? And so we appreciate it. Apparently, we're having a Veterans Day run today. So when I was coming over, (laughs) A1A trying to get on 312, it was blocked. I thought, oh, they're doing a 5K until I turned and saw mile five. And then mile six, I thought, I wonder how long this thing is. So I need to find that out. Then I got to to thinking. Apparently, they do this every year because I remember this last year. Then I thought, maybe I need to encourage the church to get a group to show up. That's on Sunday now. I understand you're going to be out of church, but if you go and all wear Anchor Faith Apparel and just mingle with the world, tell them Jesus loves them, go ahead and run the thing with them and invite them to church. And every time you pass somebody, and says, man, next Sunday, you ought to follow me to church. Maybe we should put that on the back. Since you're running, run with me to church. Amen? So let's talk about that. We could do that next year. You know, you could run and get done and be in second service. I mean, amen. you have to work on your time, because <laughs> if it's a half marathon, I mean, I, they, about six and a half miles, it had one hour, and some people were just passing that, so I thought, hmm. Anyway, hey, just got to change the community, amen? Uh, got to be out and about with them. Yeah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Uh, so I'm giving you an excuse to miss church for a service, <laughs> to go touch somebody's life is what I'm saying. All right. I got this from Pastor Essa this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn over to 1 Kings as I read it to you. He says, You're highly appreciated. Nothing can compare to the posits you left at Fulfilling Word Foundation. The church says the spiritual content of your conference with us is the best in the history of the ministry. He said, Anchor Faith needs to know this. So I'm letting you know. Amen. Um, I think that is important when. Another church, another pastor, receives the word that you hear on a consistent basis. And if it reverberates through the congregation that way, then you always want to hold to the fact that uh, God has um, placed within the church you attend words that are um, life-changing if you act on them. Amen, and if you'll live according to them. And if you do it, it change your life. Amen. All right, First Kings chapter 18, back in um, uh, August, I ministered a message from this passage of Scripture in First Kings chapter 18, um, concerning, I hear the abundance of the sound of rain. And Pastor Hagen, when we had was at camp meeting, had this particular word that was a powerful word, so powerful that I sensed in my spirit, I just need to preach it to you. And that if we're going to see the abundance of rain come, an element of that, that means a latter outpouring of the Spirit of God. There is the early and latter rain, and the early rain is he'll pour out his Spirit on all flesh. Your young men and your daughters, they will um, prophesy, and so God's going to pour out his Spirit on all flesh, not just the church. Now, it's important because he needs to pour himself out on the world, and this is why the world will be without excuse because God will be personally talking to them about their lives. So understand this, no matter what you see a person going through, and it seems like how far they are, it's like there's no way they can be touched. Know this, God's still talking to them. Amen. Amen. And as we pray for the latter rain, as we pray for that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, to touch and impact people's lives, amen, then you'll know this. When you are receiving more of God's spirit and insight uh, and, and revelation knowledge of his word, and he is working miraculous things through your life because he desires to so that the world will know that he loves them and he takes care of his children, then you can rest assured he's talking to those that aren't in his kingdom yet as well and inviting them to come in. Amen, and as you know, there's only one way to get into God's kingdom, only one way. You must believe that Jesus Christ came, died on the earth, shed his blood, and on the third day was raised from the dead. Again, you may say, why does Jesus have to come? Because God's plan for man was to give him dominion over the earth. And so when he said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let him have dominion over, in uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God has to keep his own word. So when Adam ate the fruit that God said don't eat. For the day you eat you will surely die. He had way more options to eat other fruit. Only one tree. So it would be no big deal. But this allows God to know whether you love him or not. Because love is an action. Not saying I love you. Love is Willfully obeying the one who loves you. And the reason why we obey God is because he's actually life. If we're not doing his word, then we are in death. All right? We're being separated. Well, Adam falls from dominion. And so God had to come as a man in order to restore what a man lost. So the first Adam disobeyed. The last Adam is named Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. So God put himself in a skin suit, and as a result of that, lived life without sin. How did he live life without sin? Because he was full of the Holy Ghost. I said he was full of the Holy Ghost, all right? And so we have to walk that out. But again, in this passage, we saw that there was this abundance of rain. There was this season, because we said this, there are natural patterns when it comes to weather and when it comes to rain, all right? There are natural patterns within our own atmosphere. What's the same thing within the Spirit. A lot of us men went over to call to arms, and so we left Florida at 80, 78, 80 degrees and showed up in Tulsa, and it was 47, 37, feels like 28, and it was horrible. It was horrible. I was once again thanking God I lived in Florida. But now I'm from Florida, so I'm just used to this type of weather, anything else I'm not used to. I enjoy visiting it but I don't want to stay in it at all, all right? So I've had my winter. Summer can come. That's kind of how I am. You said, but pastor, we didn't have that yet. Go a little further north, get some cold, come back. Let's, let's go back to the beach, all right? Let's just go back to it. I'm with you. Let's. one day we need cold, and it's Christmas. I get it. Let's get that day. After that, let's go to the beach, all right? Okay. Anyway, so there's this praying for rain. There was this drought that was... Um, uh, over the nation, and so in order for the rain to come, it could not come without prayer. We need to pray, amen? Yes. But Kenneth Estrada, as you guys know him, he's one of our district directors for Rama, and he's been at our church and ministered at our church before. He ministered at Call to Arms, and he made this comment concerning a passive, this passive scripture that when he said it, I thought, I've not seen that. I've not seen that. Now, when I say it, it's going to sound simple. Maybe you saw it yourself, but I just didn't see it. I'm always learning. I thank God. As I told the men, I said, you know, when I go out to Ramah, I'm going to get stuff. Not just to talk, hang out. I'm, I go to get stuff. I'm giving stuff all the time, so I like to go and get stuff. And I told Kenneth, uh, Pastor Kenneth, I said, man, when you're ministering, I'm going to be pulling on you, drawing on your gift. And, man, he made a statement. I thought, that is good. So much so that I couldn't get away from it, and I'm preaching it today. Amen. Amen. I'm preaching it today. So let's look at 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 30 to 30, 41. It says, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which, he had, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel uh, shall be your name. So with the stones he built, uh, an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood and cut the ox in pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said, fill four pitchers of, with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. The water flowed around the altar, and he also f- filled the trench with water. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah, the prophet, came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, uh, today let it be known that you are God. Let it be known that you are God. Let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. At your word. Hallelujah. He said, answer me. Uh, O Lord, answer me, uh, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their heart back again. Have what? Turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Then Elijah said, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook and slew them. Now Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink. For there is the sound of the roar of a heavy rain. And the new King James says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Amen? Now, uh, the context here, real quick, is that as you as you know, some may not know, so I'm going to say it, and it bears repeating, is that King Ahab is the king of Israel, and um, he does not follow God. He has, within his ability and in his possession, God's word. That was penned by the prophet Moses, of how he is to live as a king and conduct himself towards God's nation but he does not do it instead he goes his own way he does things that are wicked before the Lord his, his wife is just as wicked as he is if not more wicked and he obeys her and follows her in essence she wants his power without his authority or responsibility and so um, they are not doing well with the nation of Israel and causing the nation of Israel to sin his wife loves other gods in fact she uh, loves the prophet Baal, and then there's a female one um, that uh, compliments him, and as a result of that, the nation worships those gods. Okay? They are not to worship those gods. And so as a result of that, God sent prophets to try to get the nation to repent and stay with him. For he's let the nation know, if you'll just obey my word, you'll be blessed coming in and blessed going out. You'll be the head, not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. Whatever you put your hand to will prosper. All the nations of the world will come to you and see that you're blessed. You won't have to borrow, but you'll, but you'll lend to other nations. Amen. Your enemy will come before you one way, but flee before you seven ways. So this is great news. He's given them the plan of national prosperity, health, and healing. Everything. They are not in it only because they're not obeying. Do you understand this? So God's not doing something to them. He's giving them what they want. He said, now, if you don't obey... Then the curses that were in Egypt will come upon you, and everything will go uh, terrible. People, you'll, your enemies will rise up against you. All these things will, will happen. Are you with me? And so he's warning them, don't live that kind of life. But what are they doing? They're living that kind of life. So he sent the prophet Elijah to show up and tell King Ahab, okay, I am, in essence, because we live in a kingdom, the kingdom, God's from heaven, told uh, uh, the prophet, put a sanction on the nation of Israel. You understand? We put sanctions on nations today. Right? We put tariffs on them. We tax them. We quit trading with them. We shut down economic uh, advantages to them. And you got to understand in this time period that the, the, these were agricultural societies. That had livestock, you know, they had uh, different goods in that context, right? And so, obviously, you have to feed people, that whole deal. And so, a, a very valuable resource is water. And so, the Lord says, put a sanction on the nation of Israel that no rain fall on the nation. That doesn't mean it didn't rain on planet earth. It just didn't rain in Israel. And so, for three years, he kept the rain from coming. Well, now, when we know, because Elijah himself, when he began to pray that, he uh, um, um, <clears throat> went by a brook for a little while that had a water flowing, and the Lord would bring him food with a raven, and he would eat that food until that brook dried up. So, that tells us that that drought became so severe that the rivers and the lakes and the streams dried up. It was very difficult to find water. Okay? Okay? He returns after three years, a little over three years. He returns and says it's going to rain. But now notice what takes place before rain. We have to deal with where our hearts are. Now we want to pray for the abundance of rain, and we should, and we have to. But if the, before the abundance of rain is going to come, we're going to have to deal with our hearts. Amen. So he comes and says, "Rain's coming." The Lord again, in His mercy, wants to bring rain. He's hearing the cry of His people. He again wants to demonstrate to them that He is the only God, and He and He alone is the only one to be worshipped. Now again, when He put a sanction on them concerning rain, Baal, one of His attributes as a God, and they believed, is as they sacrificed to Him, He would open up and open up heaven. Because he's a sun god, and he's up in the atmosphere, and he would send rain down. And when rain came down, the female goddess that they um, supported uh, represented a tree. And so she would receive the seed from him and bear fruit. So in essence, when it rained, it was Baal having intercourse with the goddess. That's what that represented. So in essence, God's saying, you are trusting the god to send rain. But I'm going to tie up what you think he has authority with. Are you with me? So they prayed for three and a half years and couldn't get him to do anything. He couldn't produce nothing. So he comes back and he says, now listen, God wants to move. Man, don't you want to move a God? God wants to move. But there are some things embedded here that even in the new covenant, we have to do the same thing. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are to put Him first. We are to seek first His kingdom. Amen? And I'm just going to lay out a, a way of abundance in your life today, and all you got to do is choose it. It's up to you. Because I can. I'm going to show you real clear in Scripture how you can walk in the abundance of God. This is really great news, that we can walk in God's abundance. The first thing we must do is we must get rid of any other idol in our life. And an idol is just something that we put before God, that comes before our attention to Him first. That doesn't mean you can't do other things, you just can't put them first. And you know whether or not that's the case, okay? If if God's not first in your life, and if you'll never walk in the abundance of God's spirit and the abundance of who God is uh, and His kingdom until you do that. Okay, because the minute you set up another God or an idol or you may have another pursuit that you put more passion in than the things of God, then in essence, you've torn down God's altar. Notice in here, and it's true even in the new covenant, the new covenant tells us to do a sacrifice of praise. We are to present ourselves unto God, right? We're free from condemnation, but we are to present ourselves to God which is our reasonable uh, sacrifice of service, spiritual service. So we have a presentation. There are things that we are, in essence, sacrificing. We sacrifice our will, our own personal desires that we think are better than God's desires for our lives. We place those on an altar. We say, our way of living life, we sacrifice that to receive your way of living life. Because we are not going to lean on our own understanding and our way of doing life. We're going to seek your way to do life. Because you are life. He's life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way, the, the life. There is no life outside of him. Breathing's not living. It's just keeping your spirit man inside your skin suit. Okay, living is following the word of God, the loving King, the loving Father who loves his children, who cares for his children, who's provided for his children abundantly. I'm talking exceedingly abundantly, far beyond what you could think or imagine. Wow, such a great life. So we have to, in essence, get rid of our false thinking, our false worship and rebuild our altar to God, meaning we're going to rebuild our lives to God. So he tells him, come here, right? He says, come to me now. In essence, he says, in, in essence, you got to regain your attention because it, before this event, he let the prophets try to call fire down from heaven to prove that Baal was a real God, and nothing worked. He mocked them. That means uh, Elijah had a, a bold spirit about himself, Right? And um, nothing works. So at this point, he brings the people. He rebuilds the altar. In essence, he's reminding them, God should be the centerpiece of your life. Amen. But the next thing that I think is really awesome, and I had not seen this before, and it's a very powerful statement. It says that he got four water pots. Four water pots. This passage. Uh, uh, this Translation says water pitchers, so you may get this idea of a water pitcher. But no, we're talking water pots. Four of them that they poured over the altar. Then he said, do it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. Now, in the past, typically when I preached this, in my mind, I was thinking, this is leaving no doubt. This guy is going to saturate this thing so that the prophets of Baal won't come back and say, you know, he hit a rock, he sparked something, you know, he, he made it up, he brought his own fire, right? Because, you know, when he gets drenched and there's a trench full of water down there, then in essence, you're like, hey, wow, uh, now that the fire came, it's obvious it must be God. And I don't think that's a wrong thought process, but there's a truth even more significant than that. And it's this. What is the most valuable thing Israel has three, a little over three years of famine? Water. So when he takes the water and starts dumping it, can you imagine what that nation is thinking? You are throwing away the most valuable resource We have. Do you not know that we've not had rain for over three years? And you are pouring it on a sacrifice to God. At this point, the minute the water hits the bull that's all cut up and getting all over its blood, you're not drinking the water out of the trench. Not only does he dump four out, he dumps 12 out. And every time he's dumping it, can you imagine what they're thinking? Oh, my gosh. I mean, the scarcity that we are in, they were living in poverty. They were living in lack, and they were only living there because God wasn't first. And the very thing they were clinging to and need for life, because we need water, people, not only for our own personal bodies, but for anything else to sustain life. You don't have livestock without water. You don't have crops without water. You're not mining for gold and silver unless the one who's mining can drink some water and not dehydrate. All your re- you're not cutting down trees. You're not moving any type of economy, anything, unless people have water. The most valuable resource they have, he's just dumping it out on God. And I heard the Lord say this, my people want the abundance of rain, but they're not willing to sacrifice the very thing that they need more of. He says, my people want an abundance of finance, but they won't give what they have now because they see it as we don't have, and I've got to hold on to this thing, yet the rain's not coming until you're starting to pour it on. You can't even get to praying for the rain until the very thing you see rain will solve the problem. But before the rain can come, which is exceeding abundant supply of water that you can't turn heaven on in the first place, they turned heaven on by dumping out the very thing that they needed. Hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, you want to pray for healing, you want a breakthrough in healing, you want a breakthrough in finance, you want a breakthrough with jobs, you want to and yet are you taking the time to pour out over God what little you have so that you can position yourself in order to get a prayer life to bring a bigger supply? What do I mean by that? The Bible talks about when you minister to others, it would be ministered back to you. I know this, Reverend Randy and I have had multiple conversations when he was going through his challenges with uh, his symptoms, is that he would minister to other people about healing so that he could be refreshed with the same thing. In essence, I'm lacking a healthy body, but I'm going to pour healing towards somebody else. Amen. I'm going to reach out to someone else. I'm going to lay hands on somebody else because once I pour out there, then I'm a candidate now in order to get my own prayer to get in exceeding abundantly far beyond what we could think or imagine. Same thing. What about work? I have people in here right now that have started their own company. But they started when they uh, came out of service Couldn't do any work. Couldn't have worked with anybody. Mentally, they would not have made it. Came and for four years poured out service to the church in building, construction. Oh, I'm preaching more than you. See, when we hear about people's success, we think, oh, it just... No, when you start to pour, I'm going to do God first. I'm going to do the church first. I'm going to pour out the thing first. I know the same company actually poured into their employees, paid for all their tickets to be able to go to call to arms. Talking about boosting your employee morale talking about trying to get increase out of your employees so in essence we could take it for ourselves we could take it for our own prosperity but no we're going to pour it out on the sacrifice of God and believe that if we pour into our employees this way then we ourselves will be refreshed and get an abundance of great quality employees and opportunities for us to expand in business Am I preaching this morning to you? You hear what I'm saying? Again, you want finances to happen. I have an altar called Possessed to Serve. I have an altar called the Tithe. If you would actually start pouring out what you consider the last bit you got, then you can get yourself in a position to begin to pray for the rain, and you'll get a, a downpour of finances showing up in your life. This principle is applicable to us today, that if we're going to break into the place of the abundance of rain, you're not going to get there outside of a sacrifice of what you want to do with the resource. When I say sacrifice, this is all we're saying. It is simply this, Dad, what did Elijah say? He said to him, I'm going to read it again because this is a very powerful verse, 36. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that, that I am your servant. How do I know that you're God's servant? And I have done all these things. What has he done? All the things we just heard him do. Come near to me, restore the altar, 12 stones, that's the covenant of God over the tribes of Israel. I'm your God, and I should only be your God. Here's the sacrifice, because you told us that if we would bring the blood sacrifice to you, you would make atonement for us. The blood covers it all. Then he said, I poured out the very resource they're lacking on your altar. In its scarcity, I gave it to you. So, when we say sacrifice, what did David say? David said, if I could just get a drink of water from the pool in Bethlehem, I believe it was in Bethlehem. And his three mighty men broke through the stronghold and brought it. And what did David do? David said, realizing the power of his words and that he put his men in harm's way, just to get him a cup of water. He said, I won't take anything that won't cost me something. Now, Christ paid the ultimate price, but it still cost us our will for his will. That is our sacrifice. Most believers don't even want to sacrifice today. Well, God did it all, so I don't have to do nothing. You have to do his word, obedience to his words in this covenant. Can he be born again unless you obey, believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave? And there's a sacrifice there. The sacrifice is you're Lord. I'm no longer Lord. To be born again means you sacrifice your ability to lead yourself. You are not born again because Jesus died on the cross and was Raised from the dead, and you ask him to come into your little heart and save you. That doesn't make you born again. Being born again is you call on the name of the Lord. You recognize that entitles him to be able to speak into your life and to communicate life to you. And you say, I lay mine down for yours. Amen. And it's worth it because I couldn't build it myself. <laughs> Everything that I did I thought was right was death. You know, I thought I was going right, but it ended up in death. It was all wrong. So I'm going to follow you. Amen. Amen. And so even now, we take these times where we're like, okay, we want them all. You're going to have to sacrifice something. Amen. We want the abundance of something. There's something we have to do. Amen. Amen. This is why Pastor Earl looks for opportunities. Amen. For me, here we are, all that we're doing, and then we plant a church in Nicaragua, and then that pastor takes his 8000 savings and puts it towards purchasing his own property. He took his $8000 that he was going to buy US money that he US currency 8000 that he accumulated in Nicaragua. He took that, that represented his retirement. I'm going to have a couple homes that will rent out and that's what will provide for me and my family. But we need to build the church first. He took it and poured it out. Oh, then he had another resource, his truck, and he said, "I can get this truck and I could get the other 12,000, at least 10, and get to this 20,000 dollars I need to pay off this land in this building so that we can have it." So he goes to put it. in fact, someone wanted to buy it, but the Lord says. That resource you don't have to sacrifice, I have in another way. So he didn't. Well, what was the other way? The Lord said to me, do you want them all? Yes, sir. He said, I need you to pour something out in another country. He said, Poor, pay off that place first. Because it ain't good enough just to sign on a note, guys. We need to pay it off. Amen? I said, we need to pay it off. And so the Lord said, pay it off. So I got with him, exercising faith, I said, "The remaining amount of 12,000. let's see if they'll take four payments of 3,000. The first payment we did 2,500, he did five. The other uh, three, I said, "You do 50 percent, I'll do the other 50 percent." And we did it, and last month paid off. And Anchor faith Church owns property in another nation. <laughs> we poured out on that sacrifice. Why? Now I have a right. I, there's a principle in place. I can pray for the abundance of resources coming to us to be able to get into the mall, to pay off the mall, to remodel the mall, to get tenants in the mall, to pull businesses in the mall. Why? Because I got to sacrifice. I cannot just look at my budget and my needs, I got to look at the big picture of God's vision and glory and passion for his nation. Hallelujah. And I'm blessed as a result of that. Every time I go somewhere, I'm saying, "Lord, what do I do here? Yes. What can I pour out yes. so that I have a right to pray?" Yes. And after they poured it out and God showed that he was God and turned the hearts towards the people, then a very a one final thing was required before prayer took place for rain. And that is you must kill off the things that distracted you from God. It's one thing to acknowledge that it's not to put God first. The second is you must kill it off. Amen. Now, I've been to Mount Carmel. I was there. I was on the hill where they sacrificed. And that brook is not that close. You can see it from the hill. But to walk it takes a little bit of time. Now, you can do it in a day for sure. You know, may take an hour or two. So how do you get 450 men that know they're fixing to die to willfully walk a couple of hours, and that's of their own free will? So you understand the nation then came around those prophets and had to forcefully. Okay. See, the kingdom of God suffers violent, and the violent take it by force. You've got to forcefully. Put yourself in a position. I will not let this hang around me anymore. I'm not going to let pornography be around me anymore. I'm not going to let bitterness be around me anymore. I'm not going to let depression be around me anymore. I'm not going to let guilt be around me anymore. I'm not going to let condemnation be around me anymore. I'm not going to have this unforgiveness around me anymore. I'm not going to let this job that's telling me all of my life and I can't even be a church going to dictate what I'm going to do. I'm not going to have that relationship that that person ain't even born again or that person ain't moving toward. I am not going that way anymore. I am going to kill that thing. Once and for all, and then I'm gonna pray. And then when you pray, guess what? The first prayer doesn't get it. Meaning you won't see it the first prayer, even though it moved in the minute you prayed. He threw himself down and began to pray. And he said to his servant, Go look. Nothing. Go again. Nothing. Go again. What's he saying? I poured out the resource because I heard you say the rain's coming. Yes. I was so firmly persuaded that what I had, because I heard, when to start the chapter off, the Lord said, go to Ahab and tell him rain's coming. He was so confident that rain was coming that he poured out what, was what resource was in its scarcity. If you'll truly believe that God's bringing prosperity to you, you'll have no problem giving to the Lord. You'll have no problem. tithing, giving give an offering, have none. And Elijah knew. why he's a prophet, are we ourselves? We are not by fivefold ministry, but we do have God's word spoken to us concerning health, healing, provision, all those things. Have it all, and all we have to do is bring it. Is bring it.